of God has helped us, brought us through it all. I'm sure no matter what we face this year, he'll be right here with us, won't he? Amen. Amen. We're so so grateful that we can have confidence in his his promise today. Greet you today in the name of the Lord. It's an honor for us to be able to be gathered together here. So appreciate all that the Lord is doing. Um, I want to say that we're supposed to get our final inspection on Thursday, so we just pray everything goes well. Pray to God to give us favor inside of all these people that are coming in. And uh, as soon as we can get everything finished up, we'll be moving. Moving day. I want to say how much I appreciate so many brothers that have come. It's just incredible all that they've done. Uh, sisters haven't come yet because we haven't made it ready to start cleaning, but don't worry, sisters. <laughs> You're going to get your time. But just so many of what they've done is just overwhelming, and I want to say how much we appreciate it today. Let's turn to the book of Proverbs, if you would, chapter 31. While you turning also, <clears throat> Carol and I'd like to thank you for all the Christmas cards and chocolate and gift cards and chocolate and <laughs> cookies and did I say chocolate? I did say chocolate. Okay. Thank you. Thank you that no one sent me broccoli. 
I did get a t-shirt from someone from Canada that had a picture of a broccoli head on it. It said Brock Lee, L-E-E, Brock O. Lee. So, but we certainly appreciate all that. Thank you so much. It's kind of you to do so. <clears throat> Anyone has any extra diet pills left, just see me after church. <laughs> Proverbs 31.10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. Wow, what a woman. What a woman this is. One thing to me that makes it so profound as we've been looking at is that the Jewish historians, rabbis, and many different teachers say this Proverbs 31 was written about Bathsheba. Bathsheba. A woman placed in the genealogy of our Lord and yet one that we probably wouldn't think too highly of. Notice what verse 11 says. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. I mean, like to be remembered today as we pray. God bless you. Let's just bow our heads together and hold our request in our hearts. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, it's with gratitude and thanksgiving that we are able to come together again today in this place. Only been rented for us and only temporarily and hopefully before long we'll be able to have our own place back again. But we have been grateful that we've had this place. And we're thankful that each and every time you've showed up with us. And we're so thankful that you have. Today, Lord, we are at the beginning of our new year. And we certainly want to look forward to what great things you're going to do for us. And I hope it's all on my heart. This is the year of the going away. The year of the rapture. If it's not then it will be the year of fighting, the year that we will make hell pay. It will be the year of us overcoming, the year of us standing like we've never stood before. So Father, we approach this new year today with your grace and your mercy. We don't come today with a hangover where we drunk last night and drunk the old year out and the new one in. No doubt a lot of people did. They're gonna wake up today feeling pretty bad, but we've come into the house of God feeling really good because the Lord is on our side. Help us today as we look into your word, Father. Help me to get out of the way. Break the bread of life to us in your manner, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I'd like to read to you <clears throat> something that Brother Anna mentions about David and Bathsheba. He said, David was worthy of dying. He pronounced his own death, but Nathan said, surely you'll not die. 
For he knowed David knew God and knew that he had done wrong. He had defiled his brother's wife. So it was not Bathsheba that was playing the harlot. It was not Bathsheba that was being the temptress, but actually King David defiled her. In the message of grace, he says, God revealed it to the prophet. He said, David, there was a rich man on this side of the road. He had a whole lot of sheep, very rich. And a man lived on this side of the road, and he was very poor. He only had one lamb. He treated it like a daughter, and he fed it out of the same spoon that he himself ate out of. He slept with this lamb. It was just like a daughter. And one day a visitor came. So instead of this man taking one of his own sheep and making a feast for the visitor, he went and took the poor man's lamb. Now listen to how Brother Branham says this. By force, he took the lamb and slayed it and made a feast. He took it by force and slayed it and made it a feast. So again, Brother Branham is not blaming Bathsheba as being the temptress or the seductress, but actually the victim. He goes on to say, now that was David's passions. Now the stranger that came to David's house was his passions or lust. And instead of David going, listen how he continues this, he had 500 wives, but when he seen Uriah's wife, instead of taking one of his 500 wives to appease or satisfy his passions, he went and took this other man's wife. Then he killed Uriah when she become a mother. Why? Oh, he said, David, no. Notice He didn't know what he was doing. He's talking about pronouncing judgment on himself. David was ready to pronounce this judgment and that's the way we are. We can always judge the other fellow, but when it comes to us, oh, it's so different. You know, when I look at Bathsheba, I see a woman that was introduced into the palace of the king under very adverse conditions. She was defiled. The king forced himself on her. She really couldn't have done much. By the law of Moses, the Torah, she was supposed to have at least cried out. The Bible doesn't really say if she did or didn't. But I can imagine for her There was so much trauma and so much fear and anxiety. And remember, whenever Matthew and Luke both go to putting together the genealogy of the Lord Jesus, and Matthew goes toward the genealogy of of Joseph, but Luke goes toward the genealogy of Mary, bringing Jesus as being the son of David. But we see that these Gentile women, which were in the makeup of producing this lineage for the Lord Jesus, 
There was Ruth and there was Rahab and there was Tamar and Bathsheba and of course the last being Mary. All the other four were somehow tainted in one way or another, in a bad way. And yet the Lord allowed them to make up the coming of the birth of the Lord Jesus. To me, it's more than just the natural genealogy that God wanted us to see. But there's something that each of these Gentile women project into the spiritual making of the body of God, the female part of God. Because there is a counterpart in the Old Testament. From the book of Genesis chapter three, we can see that God began to project a female counterpart into the part of redemption. And God even says to the serpent, he does not say that man would be the one that would be able to be the redeemer, not Adam. But he says that there would be enmity between the serpent and the woman. Well, why didn't he say the man? How come he didn't say, now Adam, you're the strong one. It will be Moses and it will be Zephaniah, Zechariah, Malachi, Habakkuk. How come he didn't say that? Why did he say a woman? Because there was a female counterpart in God's attributes that would be used to bring forth redemption. So he says that there will be enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. I mean, no, the woman don't even have a seed. And he says that he shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. But you notice he didn't say both of his heels, only one. So he showed that there would be a battle that would be from that time all the way to the end. And we're still ensued in that battle, of course, to this day. But when we look at it, God already had this plan of redemption in mind and it involved more than men. It involved women. Whenever I look at Bathsheba, I look and see a woman that was, as Solomon described her, a woman of great value. A woman that was so after God's own heart as her husband. But initially, we don't find that this love between her and David was quite reciprocating. She was not there because she chose to be there. She was actually forced by a man that was greater than her, a man who had authority, a man well looked at by the well you know, thought of people. The people no doubt adored David and he was a man after God's own heart, but not perfect. But yet her introduction into the passage of scripture, we know nothing about her before this scene. Well, what a time for your life to be introduced into the scope of God's prophetic word. And it's you're introduced in a passage in a time of life to where your introduction into the holy scripture is adultery. Well, I say that there's some here today that were introduced into the grace of God at the same time or even worse. You know, I don't think that we still fully comprehend how much that we are as humans still affects us after the new birth. I'm reminded of what Brother Renum tells us that when you make yourself when you are young 
And much of what you will become in life is when you are a young child. That is so in the positive, it is so in the negative. And we know the new birth certainly changes our soul and quickens the seed of God that's down inside of us. But the new birth does not destroy many of the human attributes and the human nature, and you've heard me say it over and over again, and other brothers as well, that we don't need in the body change to just to go back to being young people. But we actually need to be young, different people. Because if I went back to being 18 and you were 18 and you were 18, can you imagine what heaven would be like in about three weeks' time if we were all just young again? We don't need to just be young. We need to be changed. Because in our human makeup and our mortality, we bring to God all of this baggage all of these hurts and complexes and disappointments that we all have. And I know sometimes that people think, well, it's just the poor people and the uneducated and the people that aren't very privileged in life are the ones that have the most of the complexes, but it shows me you haven't studied the message very well or you'd find out that your prophet said one of the two times that he uses the word complex is that he identifies it with the more educated class. When he said that people become so educated and they have complexes against one another because of their education. So you see, it's not the poor, it's not the indifferent, it's not the weak, it's not just those who have complexes, but every human being that comes on the earth is subject to fear and trauma and complexes and scars of life. And yet the new birth does not take that all away. It's amazing because we see from our own prophet as we're able to look into his life three months after the seals are open and when he preaches the sermon to us and he opens up himself in a way that he never had done before and that is standing in the gap. June the 28th, I think it is, 1963. And we see a view into Brother Branham's use and a view into Brother Branham's journey as he's growing up as a young man, then as he comes into the early state of his ministry, and he gives us a view inside look of himself. And he helps us also to see where he was at that time. Three months after the seals are open, one of the greatest events that had ever happened on the earth. And Brother Branham shows us a view about himself that he was fixing to come off the field. He was going to basically deceive his wife, talk her into going to the North Country and he was gonna become a guide. And the Lord told him, if you get her up there, she will leave you. And God had to give him a dream that he knew would never happen, but he had to scare Brother Branham. You remember the stories, right? You remember the tape. If you haven't listened to it in a while, it'll do you good to listen to it. And we see that here is a man that not only is born again, of course, has the new birth, but a man who is the prophet to the Gentiles, a man who's been given an honor to be able to talk to the angels of God and see countless numbers of visions and to be the leader of a revival that would spearhead that revival and lead it around the world and still a man that was still left with fears and complexes and things within his human makeup that his prophetic office did not take away. The new birth did not take away. Anybody gonna hear me this morning? 
So what I see about Tamar, what I see about Rahab, what I see about Bathsheba, even what I see about Mary, and Mary is totally different now. The other four were tainted in one way or another. And Mary was not tainted in a sexual manner or anything like that. But Mary is going to be greatly affected by the reproach that she will bear as an 18-year-old girl of being assumed that she is pregnant out of wedlock. No doubt it was a great honor and a great glory to the kingdom of God to be able to become this woman that the Bible spoke of. But I wonder how much that she bore reproach in herself of being rejected and despised and people whispering about her and saying things about her. And yet some of what they said seemed to be true. Some of what they said, no doubt, they thought was exactly right because uh, she was not married to Joseph yet and she was from this poor town in Nazareth, which would be, oh my, just a terrible place to be from, had an awful reputation. And we look at it and we see the glory side of Mary being the virgin. But I wonder if we take into consideration the human side of Mary being the chosen one. And when we look at Bathsheba, we see a woman that was pulled away from her husband. Now, it was not that David had fallen in love with her. Here, the prophet picks it up exactly as Nathan did. And we looked at it before how that David uh, was given this parable and Bathsheba was considered to be a ewe lamb. Even when the prophet Nathan gave the parable to David, he did not project Bathsheba as being a straying lamb that had actually left the flock where she was supposed to be. He did not project her as one that was out meandering around and looking here and there, and that is the nature of sheep. Sometimes sheep will do it, sheep that love God and love the Lord. And yet they will find themselves going here and going there and getting caught up in this or that or the other, even getting caught up behind the wrong leader because it's in them to be led. But yet Nathan does not project Bathsheba to be this type of ewe lamb. But he projects that David was the strong dominant force. And David was the one that was moved upon and by what? It was his passion. It was his lust. And instead of David going in the proper way to be able to take care of that, David saw her. He did not love her. He did not fall in love with her. This is why that the prophet does the contrast between Uriah and David, how that Uriah loved her and, and Uriah had brought her up. And remember, Uriah was older than her and he had some children that was at home and she would, had become their stepmother. So there's several things about it that the prophet conveys that David did not have at all. So David basically lusted after her. He wanted her, not because he loved her, and more than likely had she not become pregnant, the story wouldn't even have went the way that it did. But once he found out she was with child, now he's forced to do something different, and of course he winds up taking Uriah's life. And yet here comes this woman, now she's gonna be brought into the palace of the king. I don't imagine that she just fell in love with David overnight. Can you imagine falling in love with a man who's murdered your husband? 
And according to the way that Nathan conveys this, it was a relationship which was not just one-sided that Nathan loved her, but she also loved him. So she's taken from her husband. She's taken from her stepchildren. And she's placed into a position that she was not even groomed for. Now, she's not a king's daughter. She's not a magistrate's daughter. Her, her grandfather was Ahithophel, which was a military man. Her father was also one of David's chosen 30 men, personal bodyguards. Her husband, Uriah, was one of those 30 men. So she had a military background in her family. So they were not necessary politicians. They were not men that would know how to pick up a cup and pick how to pick up a spoon and a fork and, and how to do all the proper curtsies and so on and so forth. But no doubt they were a common type of people, a type of people that knew warfare and knew pain and knew anxiety and trauma and, and stuff like that. So she was not reared in a place to where that she would have felt very comfortable in being right, right where the king was himself. Her clothes were, would have been taken from her. The clothes she would have been comfortable wearing as you know, probably not even a middle class type of person. Her home that she would have been comfortably been raised up in and she was pulled out of that and thrown into a palace. The lifestyle she was used to. She had totally been separated from that lifestyle. No doubt she had friends. Friends of her own category. Friends of her own class. And she was pulled from all of that. By whom? a man of authority that lusted after her. Now, I do believe, as I said to you a couple of weeks ago, I do believe that God had it in his program that both David and Bathsheba would have come together in time. And it could have been possible that Uriah would have been killed in the exact same battle that he died in because if it was his time to go, he was gonna go anyway. Is that right? But yet, he would have not have went by the hand of David. And God would have no doubt brought them together. Maybe it would have been more like when Solomon would have been in the north country and he saw the Shulamite woman and he fell in love with her. But Solomon gave her time. Now you wonder in your mind why did Solomon, when he beckoned upon the Shulamite and she was a very poor girl but yet a very beautiful girl and when he saw her, he did not take her immediately. He did not pull her from what was her norm, but he sends people after her and gives her some time. Wonder why, wonder why, wonder if it was not from listening to his mother tell him over and over again of the trauma that she had and of the difficulty that she had in making this transition from being just an average person to becoming. And some of you wonder why the grace of God is so slow dealing with us sometimes. He knows what he's doing. Some of us may look at other people and say, well, why don't they do this and why don't they do that? Look, I've learned something. I ain't too smart, but I've learned if God progresses people in the way he reveals himself to them, I'm gonna give them how much ever grace they need because God knows exactly what, they're, what they, they need and what he's doing. And whether or not you understand this statement, it is quite a progression to come from being an absolute wretched sinner in the world of darkness and chaos and walking into bright light immediately and making that transition overnight. 
And sometimes it takes an element of time for people to transition and go from their friends to making new friends and going from their vocabulary change. And everything about them is entering into a world they've never been before. And now what is it about Solomon that he mentions the law of his mother over and over again? The term mother mentioned, what is it, 14 times, something like that, in the book of Proverbs. Now, if this woman would have been a woman that would have been, you know, somebody that would look at a red light woman or something like that would say, and she would have constantly been telling Solomon, look, son, I I was the wrong one. I I I dressed in such a way that was indecent and ungodly. There's no way in the world this man could have had this love and respect for his mother. I mean, oh, even whenever she begins to ask a petition for Adonijah, that Solomon bows, he gets up and he bows down before his mother and he calls for a throne to be brought in and set at his own right hand. Now, she was the wife of David, but she was the only queen mother and the only queen mother you'll find in the Old Testament that actually was given a position like she was. So Solomon must have really loved and respected and honored his mother. But I dare say she was not a woman without her scars. I say in, the, in our congregation today of those that are present and those that are hearing the service, every man, woman, boy, and girl, if you've lived very long in this life, you're already bearing scars and bearing things brought on by human beings that are around you. I myself have personally never been tore up too bad by dogs. Too many cats never have offended me. Too many hippopotamuses. Now, I granted, I've not been around that many, but I have been around a few hippopotamuses and a few rhinoceroses and a few elephants, and I guarantee you they can do you bad damage. But like you, most of my hurt has been from humans. And the sad part about it is Christians. Christian humans. How many have been hurt by Christians? Well, of course, we all have. And yet somehow we tend to think, well, Christians shouldn't hurt one another. Wow, where do you get that at? Christians are human beings just like other human beings. And people tend to put Christians up on a pedestal and think that Christians are free from hurting you and offending you. That is simply not the truth. Now, we do all believe that David, King David, was the seed of God, do we not? He was the seed of God. He was a man after God's own heart done taking his life and proved to you that God used King David even after this terrible mistake as the example of kings. And God was still doing for David's sake things to the kingdom of Judah even after David had been dead, buried, and his bones had gone back to the dust of the earth and God was still quoting, for David, my servant's sake. So David yet was the one who inflicted all this pain and all this trauma and God even showing David's position that David had made such a terrible mistake that he had cast a stumbling block before the enemy. So naturally when leaders make a mistake, it's gonna be more detrimental than it will be just a layperson. And probably every one of us here today not only bear the, the scars and the things of complexes and trauma about others, but probably if we've lived very long, we've probably caused some ourselves. Oh my goodness, wasn't, wasn't near as many amens. Uh, I, I, I think probably most of us have wound up offending other people. 
Now, I'm not talking about offending him for the word's sake. My goodness, I've offended all kinds of people for the word's sake. But I do want to say this morning, if I've offended or ever hurt anyone in any way or caused anyone a complex in any way, me, the man, Donnie Reagan, then I pray you would forgive me. Anyone around the world, anyone in my family, anyone that I've ever met, because I myself also know that pain. And God knows that it would never be my desire to hurt. I want to try to help and heal if I can. Isn't that your desire? Now, how is it then that Bathsheba was able to become from all of this to where she was brought into the kingdom this way and still maintain the ability to be a woman that was so renowned that she would have this influence upon her son. Now remember whenever we read this, that Solomon, whenever he wrote about this, he said, this was to the king Lemuel, King Lemuel. This was the prophecy which was taught to him by his mother. So here she actually, Bathsheba, is actually allowed to enter in and not just be the wife of a king and the queen mother, but she's actually allowed to enter into a prophetic state of the word. And when you read these first few words that she said to Solomon, and these are words that he penned down that she said to him, she was actually prophesying and warning Solomon ahead of time of what was gonna happen to him. Now remember Brother Branham, likened Solomon to the first church age which was the Ephesian church age. I don't know if you know this or not but there were actually seven ages seven church ages in the Old Testament so according to the prophet. So there were seven church ages in the Old Testament and they began there with Solomon. So Solomon was the Ephesian age because it was a new era. It was a new time. And Solomon was the man that built the house of God. But those of you that know your Bible know that the same man that built the house of God some years later, he married an Egyptian princess, which was the daughter of one of the pharaohs. And then he married another daughter of another king and the daughter of another king and the daughter of another king. And of course, these were mainly for political alliance by which he and Israel would be safe instead of trusting in the Lord. And whenever he would do that, these women were not converts. They were not like Ruth. They were not like Tamar. They were not like Bathsheba. But they still maintained their ideology and they were idol worshipers. So the same man that built the beautiful house of God wound up building a house for Chemosh, wound up building a temple for the Ammonites, a house here and there and there, and the very same man that built the house of God built these. And what was he? A type of the New Testament Ephesian church age that he got away from his first love. God loved him so much that he renamed him from the name of Solomon and he called him Jedidiah the beloved of the Lord. And Lemuel, King Lemuel, the beloved one or the one that is loved by God. So here he bears this name. And he got away from the first love. And his mother, inspired by the Spirit of God, able to move beyond her fears, able to move beyond feeling uncomfortable in such a place. But you know how we are as humans. Oh my, God may be calling us to do a work for him and we really don't like it. It don't feel comfortable to us. You imagine it was comfortable for Brother Branham leaving what he was comfortable with and moving to Arizona. You imagine it was comfortable for the prophets when they had to walk into the courts of 
the king and indict those kings and all of their courts for the, the rebellion and disobedience. Imagine it was comfortable. You think it was comfortable for the Lord Jesus when they stripped him naked and whipped him and beat him until the strips of meat hang down from his back? No, my friend, it was not comfortable at all. So the Lord truly calls us sometimes out of our comfort zone into doing things for him. He will call you to be reproached for his word. He will call you to bear a burden sometime that you wish was not yours. So for those who are looking for a Christianity that allows you to remain in your comfort zone, well, let me just say this to you this morning. You're probably in the wrong church here today because we preach the cross and not just the cross of Christ, we preach ours. You see, nearly every Christian church preaches the cross of Christ and they think they'll be saved by preaching his cross. But Jesus talked about your cross more than he talked about his own. So I don't wanna just preach his cross, but I wanna preach about yours and I wanna preach about mine. And not only do I wanna preach about it, but I want us to be able to bear it until one day God will set us free from that cross. Now remember that Bathsheba bringing all of this baggage, if I can say it that way, into this position, a position she never asked for, a position she never wanted. And you can imagine now she's married to King David and she doesn't really love him. She's still in love with her dead husband. So she's trying to be nice to this man because as he brought her in, he can also throw her out. So how do you fall in love with a man who has killed your husband? How do you fall in love with a man who's taken you away from your stepchildren? How do you fall in love with a man who's totally removed you from everything that you were used to and everything that was comfortable to you, but yet no doubt she felt that it was something that moved within her. Now, unlike David, our Lord Jesus, he did kill our first husband. Amen. He did kill our first husband when we agreed to let him go. And remember, your first husband, the prophet said, was your nature which had the rule over you. And by spiritual death, laying on the altar of God, the holy fire of God come down and consumed him and released us from the marriage of that first husband. And remember, had he done that before you were willing, you would have been a captive as well. But once he wooed upon your soul, and got your soul to agree with his word, then you and the, oh, hallelujah, your soul, your desire inside of you agreed with God's word and you gave God permission to annihilate that old nature of yours. And you were released then from the marriage of that first husband. But it's still new to us. And the thing of it is, many of us have been serving the Lord for many, many years. Many of you have been serving him for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And yet, as far as your humanity, you're still dealing with it this morning just like you was the day after you got saved. Anybody be honest and say amen, Brother Donnie, that's the truth. Now, will you say, when will I ever get rid of it? In the morning of the body change. That's when we will all lay aside all the depths of our humanity. Well, you say, why? Carol and I was talking the other day about this, and she said, wouldn't it have been wonderful if God would have just took all of our human element away and just done away with it all? I said, yeah, in one sense of the word, it would have been, but it wouldn't have been his program, and we would not have overcome. 
And the greatest thing, you know, people say, if I could get rid of this smoking, if I could get rid of this drinking, if I could get rid of this or that, you said, that's my problem. No, it's not. Your problem is yourself. You are your greatest enemy. Will anybody say amen to that again? You imagine Brother Branham saying his greatest enemy was William Branham. How many believes that was the truth? Well, if his greatest enemy was himself, then what do you figure yours in? My wife, Brother Donnie. My husband, Brother Donnie. It's you, Brother Donnie. Nope, all three guesses are wrong. It's yourself. So the reason today we're not any closer to God is whose fault? Is it my fault? What if it's my fault? Please forgive me. If it's your wife's fault, I pray you'd forgive her. But if it's your fault, you're gonna forgive yourself or what are you gonna do with yourself? Or are you gonna admit it? Well, I might as well just admit it, it's me. Why is it I don't read the Bible more? It's me. Why don't I listen to tapes more? It's me. Why don't I love more? Why don't I shut my mouth on Facebook instead of airing out our family's dirty laundry? Well, come on, church, preach with me now. I think folks have gone crazy in the last day. They're, They're posting things out there. You think, what in the world is the matter with people? They're totally insane. Well, of course, we know it's got to come to that way. But I want you to see that God, when he saves us and he eradicates that nature that we're born with, that God does not go into the human makeup and change the human makeup and automatically set the nature of God in the human makeup. So in Brother Branham's family run this thing of a temper. Now, when Brother Branham was a little boy and this man had killed his dog, you remember the story, and Brother Branham got the twenty-two rifle and he was gonna go kill this man. Well, hallelujah, is this right? I know a lot of the message people don't like to hear stuff like this, but you know what? God called me to preach the message, all of it. Not just pet quotes, all of it. I thank God Brother Ram said those things. It allows us to see a side of him, and yet God used him. Look at David. God did not throw David out of the economy of God because of his mistakes. So we see this strain that ran in the Branham family. What was it? It was a temper. And he said he's eaten many a meal out of a straw. Now why? Because he had a temper, and he would come back and fight and say that. Is that right? Oh my goodness, friends, I didn't blaspheme the Holy Ghost. I'm just saying what he said. That's what you all want me to say, and you all want me to say what he said or not. Well, but did that stop God from using the man? Of course not. And do we see that still raising up in him from time to time? We do. And God looking at this about Brother Branham knowing that he was a man, but yet God still had a great, great plan for his life. And I think that Bathsheba and, and what she was able to display in the genealogy being great, 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 so on, grandmother of the Lord Jesus, that it shows to us that a person can bring all of their baggage as you will and they're able to let God take all that they are and mold them and shape them into something that is far beyond what they thought they could ever be or Bathsheba could have been the type of woman well I don't like King David I don't like this house I don't like this food I don't like this I don't like that no doubt she had a lot of things to dislike about being caught in this situation she didn't want to be an adulteress It was not her desire, yet she became an adulteress through the power of an overpowering man, a man that projected his will over her and forced her into becoming an adulteress. And for many of you that have read the Bible, decades of your life, until the last few weeks, you have looked down on this woman. 
Many of you, just like myself, have thought very little of this woman. And we were accusing a woman that was innocent herself. And yet probably some of you thought, when I get to heaven and I run into Bathsheba, I'm turning and going the other way. I don't want to shake her hand. I don't want nothing to do with her. But it wasn't that Bathsheba was wrong. It was our thinking that was wrong. Well, that kind of makes me wonder about maybe people we go to church with and people around the message or even sometimes our own family members if we don't get them wrong in our mind and we imagine this and that and the other. Now, don't sit there and look at me like a bunch of sinless saints with no, no faults and no shortcomings. Y'all are just as low down and rotten and stinking and no good in your flesh as David was and me and anybody else. If it wasn't for the grace of God, there wouldn't be a one of us saved today. But thank God for grace. But Bathsheba is her contribution to me and looking at this is what a person can bring into the economy of God. Not with a perfect scenario and a perfect background and the perfect with everything working together. What do I bring to God? Oh my goodness. I brought complexes. I brought fears. I brought this, that, the other. What did many of you bring? Many of you brought uh, memories in your mind of being molested or, or being defiled. As the prophet said that Bathsheba was by King David. You brought into it the, no trust at all. No trust at all for a man. There's women in this message that have absolutely no trust whatsoever for any man. I'm talking about their husband, their father, their uncle, and they just about don't even trust God because God is a man. And what brought that on? Because of things in their life and maybe instances by which they were so innocent. And I know for some of you, this is painful for me to even bring this about Bathsheba and the type of woman she was because some of you did not have such a mother. I know that, and it hurts me for you to have to bring this to you. But the thing I'm saying is this, we can take all of these things that we are and we can feel sorry for ourselves and pull ourselves away from the body and away from the economy of God and just be an island. Well, nobody needs me and I don't need nobody. I'm not sure exactly where you got that at, but your own body testifies that you believe a lie. Now, what if your heart done that? Your heart decided, I'm sick and tired of you kidneys. I'm sick and tired of you bladder. I'm sick and tired of you this and that and the other. I'm walking out of your body today. I hope and pray to God it don't because I'll be burying you on Tuesday. Well, what if your kidneys does the same thing? What if your brain does the same thing? But God put them there together. So say you've got high blood pressure and your heart's good. Well, your heart said, this is such a strain on me. And your brain says, this ain't fair. This ain't right. It's your kidneys that's calling that blood pressure. It's because you're eating too much salt. That's what it is. And it's this and that and other. And you're making it hard on every one of the rest of us members. It ain't my fault, the eye would say. It ain't my fault, the ear would say. But you get up with high blood. And what do you do when you get up with high blood? The tips of your ears, which was what I am. And you caused me to be red and everybody's looking at me and say, wonder what's the matter with him? Wonder what's the matter with her? And it's not the tips of your ears fault. It's something else's fault. Well, should the ears say, because of that, I'm leaving you. I'm divorcing you. I'll no more be your ear. You're not taking care of your blood pressure. You're humiliating me. You're embarrassing me. When you get your, your temper under control and you get this under control, let me know and I'll come back and be attached. I wonder how many earless people they'd be sitting here this morning. 
I wonder how many of us, if all of our organs except for our tongues said, you constantly are getting me in trouble. And the thing that's doing it is that big, fat, long tongue stuck in your mouth. And that tongue of yours talks me in and out of one mess and another. Preach, Brother Donnie. Well, what if every one of your members left and all you had was a tongue? Or some of you would probably be happy. Since you use that member more than anything else. <laughs> oh, my. But what do they do? Each one relies upon the other. So you see, when God put the kaleidoscope of the Gentile matriarchs blending together, what was it that Rahab could, could contribute being a harlot? And what could Tamar contribute? And what now can Bathsheba contribute to the making together of not only just the Lord Jesus' body the first time, but also the prophecy of a Gentile bride? You see, when we get there that day, I imagine we are going to be so overwhelmed of the people that we know in this life and we get there and they were up and down and had such difficulties in life and the things they went through. And you say, poor thing, you know, they had this trauma and that trauma. I dare say, friend, if every one of us went to some psychologist and psychiatrist somewhere, they'd have every one of us in therapy tomorrow beginning with me. And people think therapy is the answer for everything. Well, I'll tell you what's the answer for everything. That is God's word. Now, am I against therapy? I'm not against therapy as long as the therapy don't go, go contrary to the word of God. But let me tell you something. There is no greater thing that can reach to us than the preaching and the hearing of God's word. So it helps us instead of making excuse for being the way that we are. Well, I'm this way and I was raised this way and I can't help it. And a lot of times it becomes one excuse after another. I wonder who Proverbs 31 would be written about if Bathsheba would have took that attitude to the palace. If she would have come in and said, I don't want to be here, I don't like David, I don't like the meals to eat, I don't like the clothes, I've got to dress up every day. She probably just remember dressing up, going to parties and going to this, that, and other. Now she's got to dress up and she's got to walk around prissified and she's got to curtsy and she's got to do this and that and other. It changed her. It changed her. You see, this is one thing that God demands of the bride that the church world will never have to do. They can go ahead and dress however they want to. They can act how they want to. They can live any way they want to, but not you because you are the bride and you are invited to palace life. You have to talk the way they do in the palace. You have to eat palace food. You have to, oh glory to God, you have to wear the clothes they wear in the palace. We are not like the world. We are not of the world. We don't talk like them, act like them, behave like them. We are called to palace life. Oh, so let's read this now. Again, Psalms 31.10, Proverbs are the, who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. And this is Bathsheba. Verse 11, the heart of her husband 
doth safely trust in her. This could not be said about an adulteress. Where did Solomon get this input? No doubt his mother told him over and over again. Now son, me and your father were not joined right, but God in his mercy called us to himself. And God ordains you to be here. You see many folks, they come to the Lord. They're married two, three times in the world. They're all messed up with this and that and the other. And they come to God and they live under that past their whole life. And they have this thing within them. It's like everybody is looking at them. And the truth of it is 85% of the church don't even know what they're doing. And they don't really care because they've got just as bad a past themselves. But where is the problem at? It lays within that individual and they think everybody's looking at them. They think everybody knows this and that and the other about. So one of the reasons some of you all ain't never shouted is because you're so scared of what people will say. One of the reasons some of y'all are so calm and so collective in church. And this is some of y'all, you're wilder than a buck in the house of God when you go, glory. You're beside yourself. Calm down, calm down. And what hinders us? What people think. I hope to God we get to a place before the rapture when we're not so much concerned about what will the Joneses say. I don't care what the Joneses or the Smiths or the Balls or the Webbers or the Reagans or the anybody else's say. If the Holy Ghost moves on me and anoints my feet, guess what's gonna happen? I'm gonna dance before the Lord. I'm gonna clap my hands. I'm gonna raise my voice. Why? I'm living palace life. And we dance in the palace with the king. Hallelujah. We eat. Oh, hallelujah. We eat what the king sets before us. We worship. We adore the king. I ain't worried about the Joneses. I also see in Proverbs 31, not just Bathsheba, but the bride of Christ. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. Jesus Christ had confidence in you by allowing you to live in this age. Amen. Oh, if you can understand me today, his heart does trust in you that you'll come through Laodicea unscathed. Will you be hurt? Will you be let down? Will you be disappointed? You will. But you refuse like Bathsheba to let your past Dictate your future. You see, even the things that happened to Brother Branham as a little boy, whenever he was made fun of and ridiculed, and his father, of course, with the moonshine still, and Brother Branham sent to get water. What a strange appearance of the Lord to come down 
and a bush or in the trees rather that time in the trees and he heard the wind and it was the voice of a supernatural being and him on a journey to get water for a moonshine still. God can pick some of the strangest places to visit these people, can he? And yet Brother Brown being rejected and Brother Brown being laughed at and made fun of and all of that and yet he did not let that control him. Did it bother him? Sure, it still bothered him. As a, as, a, as a man that was now up in his years, in his 50s in 1963, and yet it was something that he dealt with, but it never controlled him. Remember Bathsheba was scarred, and my goodness, the prophet said whenever he got to heaven, he wanted to walk down them streets, I read it again last night, and take a hold of Uriah's hand and shake his hand and thank him because he was such a strength to him in this life's journey. Well, I'd say praise the Lord for Uriah. And I'm gonna walk up and grab a hold of the hand of Bathsheba and say, God bless you, sis, I need you to forgive me. I preached you as a bad woman. I've done this and that and other, but you know what? I've seen the light. God bless you, sister. Well, praise the Lord. Don't sit there and look at me. Some of y'all's gonna be right behind me. Here'll be the whole Happy Valley, word of life we are now. Here'll be the whole group of us. Sister Bathsheba, God bless you, forgive me. Sister Bathsheba, forgive me, God bless you. She's gonna say, what in the world happened to that? And the Lord's gonna say, it was that David series Donnie preached. But then we can look at these people and we say, how great, how wonderful. I wonder, were they so great? I wonder if they were not people just like you and I. People with failures. You imagine the embarrassment and the shame when David would take a hold of her hand and she become his favorite wife grabbing her by the hand and said, come and walk with me to the window. No, David, no. I feel so ashamed. I feel, please don't make me do it. I, I can't do it. Bathsheba, you're my wife. But they'll all remember what I was. They'll all remember how I became your wife. I, 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 I can't do it. Please, David, don't. You are my wife. Come with me and stand at the window. You imagine as the people were, yay, David, may the king live forever. God bless our king. And if you said, God bless our queen, sorry outfit, low down rotten woman, it's her fault. David wouldn't have never done that if she hadn't done what she done. Hmm. I wonder sometimes in our self-righteousness as we sit around and size people up. Wonder what scars he's got. Wonder what he's got. You ever noticed him? He's kind of weird. She's kind of strange. They may think you're weird. And then we read in the Bible of these great characters and we just, oh my, we say, oh, oh. When I get to heaven, I'm gonna walk up to David. I, I, I'm gonna, man, you wait till I see Asa. You wait till I see Jehoshaphat. You wait till I see. Do you understand? You were going to church with some of the same type of people. If there was a book of Acts written some of the people that you go to church with would be those people's names. 
Do you understand some of the preachers that we're privileged to hear and privileged to know are some of the modern day heroes. They are the men that are warring against Satan. Oh my goodness, the men of God that have stood for decades and shepherded the flock and saints of God that have prayed and people that have done so much for the economy of God and we're looking way back here for a hero and looking way over here for a hero and setting right by one. But our fears our complexes I know I know I have them too I know what it's like when a preacher will pick you up at the airport and you get in the car with him to ride and you watch every move his hand makes I know what that's like I know what it's like whenever you pull up to a drive through or in a restaurant or anywhere else And I see people looking at me for very long. And my face goes to getting red. I was sitting at a hunting lodge in Illinois a couple years ago. The guy at the end of the table, he was eating supper. They said, what do you guys do? Well, they started telling Daniel Ball, you know, I'm in medals and this and that and the other. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. The guy at the end of the table, he kept eyeing me. He said, I've seen that guy. I've seen that guy on TV. Brother Daniel started stirring the conversation another way. Brother Darrell started telling tales. They started going this and that and the other. Why? They could see my, my face turning red. I could feel my ears. My ears wanted to leave too. know what I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, maybe not in that way, but each of you have your thing. So what do I do? What's your advice? Therapist. Should I find a cave? Should I find a hole? And stay there till all this passes. Should you find a hole somewhere? Or should you go out on the world and say, oh, I've been hurt by Christians. I'm, I'm, I'm just trashing the whole thing. So you're going to throw the baby away with the bath water. So advise me. Advise me, therapist. Don't let on lie to me. You all don't practice therapy in your home. Well, many of you have diagnosed many people. Some of you probably diagnosed me. You say, well, Brother Donnie's got this and Brother Donnie's got that. Before I take your diagnosis, I want to see your license. (laughs) Well, this is what I'm going to do. And I hope you'll follow me. I'm going to carry right on. I'm going to keep on preaching. I'm going to keep on living for Jesus. I'm going to keep on preaching the word of God and standing for the truth. Oh, Brother Donnie, when you're going to get past all this? When I get a new body, hallelujah. When I won't remember none of the stuff that haunts me now. When will you do it when you get past your own human mortality? Don't you understand the body of God is being completed in the New Testament. Now, we are contributing. We are contributing to the Gentile body of God. Rahab, Ruth, 
Bathsheba, Tamar, they contributed to making the genealogy of Jesus. What a woman. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. I love this quote, your sisters. Look away to Jesus. The prophet says, talking about his wife, he said, she always sent my clothes to the cleaners and washed my shirts, had everything ready for me to go into a meeting, and then she wonders how she can serve God. You women, as you serve your husband, you serve God. Wow. Well, Brother Only, I've been doing that already. I know. And you know the sad part about it is? You've been waiting to arrive at your place, your adoption as a daughter of God. When one way, one day you're going to do whatever it is you think you're going to do. And you've already been doing it. Some of you brothers are waiting until you'll step out one day and control the elements. Now here's the ones God wants you to control. I've told you enough hunting stories to know that I've tried to control the wind, the rain, tornadoes and storms and all that. Now I just head for the truck as fast as I can. <laughs> I figure if I can control this 16 right here, I'll be doing pretty good by the grace of God. I'll leave the lightning and the thunder to the Lord. Let me just bring Donnie subject to the word. You know, friend, we're looking for some utopia. We're looking for something way out yonder. I hope God helps us to see in 23 that it ain't something way out yonder. It's right here in front of us right now. If you can leave this place today knowing by God's grace, I'm gonna bring me under control and I'm gonna realize I'm gonna serve my husband if I'm married. I'm gonna live for my family if I'm a father. I'm gonna be a good Christian. I'm gonna do what God wants me to do. I'm not gonna wait till 40 years down the road. I'm doing it this morning. I'm doing it this morning. I'm gonna serve God's purpose. Oh, my. Brother Bam said, you women, as you serve your husband, you serve God. And then I come in all tired and wore out. People coming from everywhere, and I have to go out somewhere on a fishing trip or a hunting trip. Why, many women would have blowed up at that. What'd she do? Got my hunting clothes ready for me to go and let me go. And yes, Sister Meady was not the one that stood on the platform and discerned and the angel came to. I don't mind telling you. I, I long for the day to be able to see her reward. She's going to have a great reward. God calls preachers' wives are going to have a great reward. Oh, you see the preacher when he's in victory, she deals with him when he's down in the valley of the shadow of death. Whenever he feels like nobody loves him and nobody cares for him and you're just so happy and you're rejoicing because you were so held. Oh, thank God for preacher's wives that stand behind her. Don't you thank God for your wife, brothers? Don't you thank God for a good godly mother, you young men and young ladies? Don't you thank God for a mother that loves you? Aren't you glad you've got a mother that don't sell your body out to the world? Aren't you glad your mothers didn't make sex slaves out of you and turn you over to the darkness of 
this world and you're looking for a woman of Proverbs 31, let me tell you something. We've got them sitting here today from this side all the way around to this side. Women of character, women of virtue, women that are invaluable. We've got them all around this world and this message produces this type of women. Notice verse 13. Let me find a place here to stop. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. Now, what I find amazing is the way that Solomon projects about his mother. Now, remember, she's a queen. But it ain't like she's just sitting around and ding, 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 ding. Could you bring me this? Could you bring me that? Could you dress me? I read the other day where the king of England, ah, the king of England couldn't even put his own britches on. He couldn't even put toothpaste on his toothbrush. And I said, well, I'm just so glad I ain't royal. <laughs> you imagine you can't even put your socks on? You can't even put toothpaste on your toothbrush and that's what it is to be royal, brother, sister. That's what a lot of folks think Christianity is. You know, the Lord, they as soon as they pray, God's supposed to answer. As soon as they ask why, God's supposed to tell them why. You're in the wrong royalty. You belong in England. In this royalty, you're royal because of the bloodline. Amen. You have to fight your way. You've got to press when you don't feel like pressing. And that's the difference between earthly royalty and heavenly royalty. You believe him even when he doesn't answer your prayer. You call upon his name and it seems like he turns a deaf ear, but you serve him anyhow. Oh, notice there's not a reluctance there. So she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly in her hands. So this priceless woman is a worker. Whether it's sewing, or cooking, or mending. Oh, Jesus. Sewing and cooking? Well, she's faithfully doing her share. It's not a matter of compulsion, but a matter of compassion. Going to church today? I reckon. Shoot, if I know it's going to be this nice, we went to Dollywood. <laughs> but I guess we might as well go to church. You know how the deacons are, they'll call us if we miss three or four times. And then they turn the big dog loose on us and he'll call us. He'll want to know where we are. Well, we do that because we love you. Yeah. Are you going to live right today? I've been thinking about it. I'm sleeping on it. But the bride says, oh, Lord, what can I do for you today? Oh, Jesus, how can I reflect your light in a little greater way? I've just found it so amazing that all the different workers that have been over at our place working and, you know, you run into all kinds of different people. They find out that I'm the preacher and then when they wake up from passing out because some preachers do actually work, which they just can't hardly believe. Then they say, you're the preacher, you're the pastor. I said, yep. I've had, I don't know how many of them to tell me, I'm looking for a church. I ain't satisfied where I'm going. You know, does that mean they're all bright? No, but what it shows me is there's even a hunger 
among people out here that's not bride and they don't know where to go so they're looking at this church and looking at that church and looking at another church and yet here we are by the grace of God setting around the truth of the hour and become so dilatory sometimes. Oh my, it should not be compulsory that we worship God. All right, let's everybody praise God now. It should be a compassion inside of our heart. It should not be a compulsion that we're going to church, that we're gonna do right. It should be such a desire. The prophet said, if God is in your heart, you can't wait till them doors open to get there. It should not be the deacons is after you, the pastor is after you. It's a compassion for almighty God because you are a woman of virtue. This woman loves her husband so much she seeks to please him. Let me just read a couple more verses and we'll pick it up next time. She is like the merchant's ships. She bringeth her food from afar. So she acts like a merchant. If she buys anything for the household, it's like she imports and she exports. So she don't stand around, gimme, 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 gimme. But she's willing to put forth an effort. She's willing to be like a ship. So the bride is like a merchant ship. So she brings preachers in from Zimbabwe. She brings them in from Virginia. She brings them in from here and from there. She imports and she also exports. So she don't just come as something on her mind. What can you do for me? How can you help me today? How can you help me? But it's, brother, what can we do for you? What can we do for the body today? What can you do for this church? What can you contribute? She ariseth while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands, she planteth a vineyard. And we're talking about a queen? Wow. God help us. How many wants to be a virtuous bride to our Lord Jesus? Let's bow our heads together. Righteous God, as we have our heads bowed to the dust of the earth from whence we were taken, we stand here today flawed like every other human being that's ever lived on the earth except for yourself and Adam before his fall. Lord, I pray you would help each of us to take the life of this woman. It's amazing that you were not ashamed to have the heart at Rahab linked in your human genealogy. Tamar, which lay with her father-in-law, Oh God, Ruth, a Moabitess, Bathsheba, an forced adulteress. Oh Lord God, to be there's such a picture there that you want us to see today. 
We can waste so much of our years of our lives saying, well, if my father hadn't done this to me and if my mother hadn't done that and if I'd been more loved at home and if I'd have been more appreciated and if I hadn't been so hurt by this preacher and if I hadn't been so let down by that preacher and this person, we can spend all of our time focusing on that. Or we can be like Bathsheba. We can be a bride type of a woman of great virtue. We've all been hurt. We've all been disappointed, let down in people. But Lord God, the question is, what are we going to do after our disappointment? What are we going to do with our lives? Oh, we can gather them all together and take all the pieces to this therapist and then that therapist and another therapist and then we find out some of them therapists are having therapy themselves. So you think, we've got people like that trying to advise us. Are they any better off than we are? So Lord, we're the only one you know of that don't need no therapy. Hallelujah. So today we'd like to bring all we are into your presence. Oh, I wish I could erase memories of my failures. I wish I could erase memories of hurts just like some of these people no doubt do. And we know many, many more that'll stream this service as I've already been hearing from them around the world. As Carol and I sat not so many years ago in our study and heard the story of a sister in our assembly, what she had went through, what she had suffered, I was totally overwhelmed. Carol and I talked about it for days afterwards and we still talk about it even though it's been years ago that we heard the story. Because the sister was the type of a woman that you'd never pick it up on her, that she'd been through all of this and that and the other. It's the type of story that Hollywood would love to make a movie out of with so much danger and so much trauma, stuff that was unbelievable. And I wept as I heard the story, but then I rejoiced as I seen the grace of God and what it had done for that sister that she had not let it dominate her life. Praise be to God. Help us, Jesus. Would you come by this way today? Really, I don't think there's a better way for us to begin the new year. Lord, may you take our hurts and our past. Lord, and I hear some of our people, how they talk. They're so down on themselves and so negative about themselves. It's evident. It's evident. They've been fed that maybe since a child, maybe parents that didn't love them, parents that rejected them, whatever more. And their evaluation of themselves is so low. Lord God, I pray you would help each of us today. Oh, we're not preaching arrogance and nothing that we can be proud of in ourselves, but help us to realize we have another life other than what our father gave us. We have another life other than what our mother imprinted upon us, Lord God. It's your life, Lord Jesus. Oh, if Bathsheba would have come in the economy of God and her husband would have died and her and David would have met at some great king's banquet and 
he would have politely asked her to dance with him and she would have listened to him sing a song and they would have carried on a romance of a year or so and everything would have been all up front. My, how lovely. And they'd had a big royal wedding. She would have been able to walk into the palace and hold her head up high. But instead, it was shadowy, it was sinful. It must have took grace every time she stepped up there to hold her head up and know that God had forgiven her husband. Hallelujah. Unlike her today, Lord God, we don't need for our husband to be forgiven. It's simply us. Oh, Jesus, we worship you this morning, Father. We bring our baggage. We bring all that we are, our hurts, our pains, our scars. Lord God, we bring them before you today, Jesus. Do we have regrets? Oh, many. Many, but Lord, we don't want our regrets to dictate the type of life we're going to live. Neither do we want our, our past to dictate it. But may we be like Bathsheba that we refuse to let our past dictate our future and also our present. Father, maybe there's some here today who need forgiveness for something they've done, something they participated in that was not pleasing to you. May the Spirit of God wrap them in your arms today, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Lord God, we know many times it's much easier to accept your forgiveness than it is for us to forgive ourselves. But Lord God, it's time that we arise as the people of God. This is our time. Hallelujah. We are the actors on the scene, as it were. I don't believe there is another generation. I believe with all of my heart, no doubt Moses and Elijah are on the earth today. No doubt the Antichrist, the false prophet, the beast, that power is already here. And Lord, we're the last ones. Oh, Jesus, may our history fade out like Bathsheba. Now we jump ahead a few years. King David is laying on his bed. His oldest son, Adonijah, has now said that he's king. The prophet comes to who? Bathsheba. The prophet comes to Bathsheba and tells Bathsheba, go to David. Hallelujah. So now here is this outcast of a woman. What is she? Her words are linked. Glory to God to the reign of King Solomon. And Bathsheba walks into King David room. Did not you, my Lord, say that my son would be? Yes, yes, I said that. Well, even now, Adonijah is, is saying that he's going to be the king. Immediately, Nathan the prophet comes in and says the same thing. So the bride and the prophet were saying the same thing. And what was it about? The coming kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, the prophet comes in and David is so moved, it's the last thing that he does on his deathbed. Hallelujah. At the bidding of who? His queen, Bathsheba. A queen who'd found honor, who'd found respect. Who am I, who am I, who should I go in there? But somehow it had come to her. She was God's chosen one. In her words lay the power of life. David called for Solomon and said, by my decree, 
Solomon is king of Israel. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us as your people. We believe our wedding supper that we will go away in that three and a half years. We will rise from that supper and we will come back in the battle of Armageddon. And then what's gonna happen? Our presence with you at that battle declares it's time for the son of David to reign. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You don't bring angels. You don't bring cherubims. You don't bring seraphims. But who do you bring? Your wife. And your wife will crown you king of kings and lord of lords as it was Bathsheba according to the song of Solomon. It was Bathsheba who made the crown and put on Solomon's head. Hallelujah, crowned by his mother. Oh Jesus, may we lay our faults, our failures, our mistakes. Lord God, not only that, but may we lay our judgmental spirits of one another. Oh, how many times have we misjudged your people? How many times have we misjudged David, misjudged Bathsheba, misjudged this and that and the other? Forgive us, Lord. May we render proper judgment, Lord God, I pray. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord God, we worship you, Jesus. Can we just raise our hands to, to his great name this morning, friends, not out of compulsory, that you're compulsed to do it. Well, Brother Donnie wants me to do it. No, but out of compassion and love in your heart for the Lord Jesus. Oh, sure, you was a liar, you was a drunk, you was a harlot, you was whatever more, but you've been called into the court of the king. Hallelujah. And he identifies you in his victory. Praise God. We are a proof that Calvary was a success. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Remember, Solomon was the very one who wrote and said that this type of a woman is a crown to her husband. The bride is a crown to our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, blessed God. You say, Brother Donnie, a crown? Yes, where do rubies come from? Out of the earth. Where do many of these great treasures come from? Out of the earth. And you got to dig around all the dirt and all the trash and all the scrap. And then you take it and let someone cut it. And they set it inside a crown or a diadem. And it becomes a beautiful ornament to crown a king. Oh, Lord God, may my life be that, Jesus. Oh, how many wants to just rededicate our lives today, the first day of this year? Can we just rededicate our lives, our thoughts, our children, our wives? If you're standing there by your wives, your brothers, grab them by the hand. Just kind of pull your children real close. If you ain't, just lay your hand over on a friend, a brother, a sister. Let's just, let's just come before his great presence this morning. Lord God, Lord Jesus, in a new year, but also, Father, fixing to move into a new place, a new tabernacle, a new place of worship. May we move in with a new attitude, Lord. Oh, Lord God, may we begin. We don't need to be resaved, to be rebaptized. Oh, God, we just want to offer a 
a dedication to you, Lord. We'll be dedicating our building before long, but we just like to rededicate ourselves today. Oh, Jesus, may we have a new year of service, Lord. Oh, Father, may we move past our scars and all of our issues of life and our distrust and all these things, Lord. Would you bring a healing this morning to us, Father? Not just in this visible audience, but around the world, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus. May the healing virtue of Jesus Christ go not only to our bodies, but to our spirits. Oh, Lord God, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. Can we just worship him now, saints? Bring your baggage, your scars, your hurts. Just bring them there. Look what you've done with them. Look what they've done to you. You've kept them all these years. The track record ain't too good, is it? Why don't you bring it to Jesus? Just see what he can do with it, Bathsheba. Turn you into the queen of his heart. You know what Bathsheba turned out to be? A woman after God's own heart. She married a man after God's own heart. What a woman. A woman after God's own heart. God bless you. See you Wednesday. This is your house. Today, if you will. Father, come and dwell. Oh, this is your house. It's a holy house of prayer Oh, where the lost and the lonely Bring their burdens and their cares Oh, this is your house This is your house Lord, come and dwell. Oh, yes, Lord, this is your house. Oh, Father, come and dwell. Oh, this is your house. Oh, it's a is your house Lord come and dwell and let's just sing this song there's a voice calling me from an old rugged tree oh and it whispers Draw closer to me. Oh. 
the world far behind Oh, there are new heights to climb And a new life Oh, in me you will find Oh, for whatever it takes Draw closer to you, Lord. Oh, yes, that's what. Oh, I'll be willing to do. Oh, and whatever it takes, oh, to be more like you. I'll be willing to do Oh, take the dearest things If that's how it must be Oh, to draw closer to Oh, and let my disappointments come. Oh, my lonely days without the sun. Oh, if in sorrow, Lord, like you, I'll become. to you Lord oh yes that's what I'll be Oh, I'll be willing to do. I'll trade sunshine, I'll trade sunshine for rain. Lord, comfort for pain. Oh, that's what I'll be to you, Lord. Oh, that's what 
So good to have all of you with us today. All of our visitors, Brother West, God bless you. Blessed our heart today, I tell you. We appreciate him singing for us, don't we? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. As we get ready to go, just something on your heart. If you want to say something, you want to sing another song. As we get ready to leave, turn around, look at somebody. Tell them it's been good to be with you in church today. Meaning from your heart now. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can be dismissed in the fear of the Lord. God bless you. Remember service Wednesday night, Lord willing, 7 o'clock. We'll be looking to have you. Oh, where there was hate. Oh, yes, love now abides. Oh, and where there was confusion, peace now reigns. Peace now reigns. Oh, yes, I'm walking with my Jesus. Oh, I'm a child of the King. Oh, and it's all because, saints, I am redeemed. Oh, yes, Aren't you glad you're free this morning? Oh, yeah.
saying, yeah, I'm redeemed. Oh, I've been bought away a price. Oh, my Jesus, he has changed my whole life. Oh, if anybody asks you, oh, just who I am, oh, then tell, tell them that I Listen to this now. Oh, and if you run across anybody, oh, and they say that they used to know me, oh, I want you to tell them, tell them I'm doing just fine. Oh, yes. Well, the last time that you saw me oh saints we were lifting up our holy hands oh praise the Lord yes I am redeemed oh sing it now with all your hearts oh yes I am redeemed oh I've been Yes, my Jesus.